This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. This podcast remains the old school one. There's no video to ever be seen of this. Not yet. That's on for next year. We're going to figure that out for next year. Maybe basketball season, but next year is my goal. I don't know. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Cole Carmody joins us tonight. Why? Because Ryan Gilbert went to Las Vegas, and I'm not sure he's actually coming home. He was waving that terrible towel he around. He was really excited about the Steelers. He, he got the win. He got to go to Vegas to see the Steelers. He made it on national television waving the towel like a 14-year-old boy. Um, but he was good at waving that towel. Let me tell you, he had some some centrifugal force on that sucker. The whole body was rocking. Oh, yeah. Oh, Smiling. Smiling. He just looked like a puppy that took a poop. Anyhow, we're sponsored by The Fridge. And if you want to be as happy as a puppy that took a poop, go to The Fridge. Ask them for their best poop, and they will point you into the direction of the most flavorful poop they have. <clears throat> this went off the rails really bad. I, anyhow, they've got a lot of experts there. They, if you need questions about beer, local beers, regional beers, um, or bourbons or vodkas or scotches or wine. I always forget wine because I'm not a wine drinker. Or cigars. Or cigars. They've got it all right there at the fridge. Wholesale liquor at the corner of Claflin and Westport right here in Manhattan, also known as the corner of this and that and the town in which we live. Let's get going with your questions. Let's get rolling. It's late for us. We're doing this later than I ever expected. I'm going to be sweepy. Go, Cole. Uh, first question comes from I Like Pickles Cat. Pickles. Is Travis Kelsey doing this for the right reasons? I don't care. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> we had to put it in there. 
I, I, I'm just so enamored with this whole thing. It does feel kind of <clears throat> manufactured. Yeah. Oh, fits. Even if this is manufactured, he's doing it for the right reasons because he's making money. Taylor Swift is making money. The, the Chiefs, Chiefs are, are making, making money. money. You guys, I got to tell you, I am totally wrapped into this. I am. It wrapped is into all this my TikTok for you pages belief. right now. It is only Chiefs times Taylor Swift TikTok. That is all I see, twenty four seven. I have listened to more Taylor Swift in the past three days than I have in my life combined. I have some friends who are very, very much Taylor Swift fans, and I have talked to them about this, and I've gotten all the details. I follow pages on Twitter just so I can see what's going on. I have all the theories. You guys, I am officially... Oh, no. Officially a Swifty. Oh. Well, that's it for the Powercat Podcast forever. Look, I, they actually, I can see them being a good couple. That's why it doesn't feel totally manufactured to me because they're the same damn person. Mm-hmm. They love attention. They are kind of outlandish. They always got to be at the center of everything. They're both beautiful people, both really talented at what they do. Beautiful people. They were both born in 1989, <clears throat> which is the name of one of our albums, by the way. That's nice. That's nice. I feel like they've fi- like Taylor Swift has finally met someone that has a ridiculous amount of money and does not need her at all. Right. You're right. I think that's why it works and why everybody likes it. And what's incredible, like Tom Brady, if they stay a couple, the other half will have a lot more money than the wealthy football player. It's incredible to think about. This or is bring up. This is the last thing I'm going to say about this. And her yeah, we've song. We've spent way too much time on oh this. Oh my my, she said, "I'll be 87, you'll be 89." Yeah, not quite the same thing. Hmm. The words are a little wrong there. Okay, same. Th- are we ready for actual yeah, questions let's, let's now? Let's talk about KSU now. Okay, that's a good question. That's a that's a good idea, Zach. KSU number one wants to know how incredible is it that Will Howard played through that injury and performed as well as he did. You come up to the press box, and I go, is Will going to go? And he goes, yeah, Cole says, I don't know how. He's limping around like at the end of the game he was. And then he plays, and he's not limping around. It's amazing what adrenaline would do, and I mean that seriously. Mm -hmm. That adrenaline hit, and he got over it. And let's be clear. It wasn't structural. It was swelling. It was bruising. I mean, it affected his joints, you know, whether it was ankle or knee. But, yeah, I imagine they did some stuff. To kind of alleviate the swelling, shot him up probably to alleviate some of the pain. And then he ran the ball like nothing was wrong. Incredible. I gained a lot of respect for Will. I really didn't think the last thing I thought would take place was he, him taking all of the offensive snaps, let alone there being 82. I never thought he'd do that. I thought we'd see Avery just like we did at Missouri at the very least, but we didn't. What was so strange about that whole thing is that when I saw him run out of the tunnel, and lead the team on the field for warm-ups, I did not think there was any way that he was going to play. And, like, I go back and watch the video, and people are in my Twitter mentions going, oh, please sit him. He does not look healthy. And I agreed with him. I was like, this is bad. Like, Zach, I don't know if you saw it, but it was bad. And I was like, I mean, he can't even move. When it he's looks like, like he had, like, padding yeah. on his leg. But then, like, later in the game, I don't think he had it either. Like, I think... I don't want to say that he was limping around for show, but at the same time, like, 
he might as well have been because yeah. I think he didn't show anything pregame and maybe it was just adrenaline, you know, just being in the game moment and just forgetting about the pain and just knowing that you have a job to do and, you know, you might be hurting, but you got to suck it up because you're a division one starting quarterback. By the third quarter, I had, I didn't want to say I forgot that he was hurt, but like you couldn't tell that he was hurt at Missouri. You could tell the only way you could tell is if you had watched the game previously and knew he was hurt. But if you were a UCF fan, there was not any indication that Will Howard was hurt at all. That was what the amazing thing was. But I do remember sitting up in the press box and I saying, think on some of those runs. Maybe, maybe maybe it's just you're looking at it and you're like, please don't hurt yourself. Yeah. But Well, I, I told Fitz, they have to run they have to do the quarterback run. I think the game was tied maybe at that point. It's like, all right, maybe it's time to put Avery in because they have to use the quarterback run. And obviously Chris Kleiman saw the same thing because he told Will Howard at halftime, hey, you're going to have to run the ball to win the game. And they did, and he did, and it worked out for him. Again, if they needed to run the ball to win the game, why didn't we see Avery Johnson? I don't know. know. I'm I'm really happy for Will. Um, It was... It was a game that seemed to be uh, redemptive in the same way Oklahoma was last year. Just kind of put the team back on track mentally and physically, it appears. Much needed win. Next question comes from Came to Elevate, which is, is that new to the podcast, Zach? I don't think so. Well, it's a great name. And the picture is Jerome Tang, like screaming upwards. Great, great screen name. Uh, Came to Elevate. How does DJ Giddens' individual performance versus UCF rank on the all-time list of great individual performances in K-State history? That's top 15 for a running back. Are we talking about football or are we talking about football? Football. It it was great, um, but I'm going to be really honest here. UCF's defense couldn't tackle. I would like to know how much of it was after contact because I think it was a lot. I mean, they just – he bounced off people all game. It's a Hall of Good performance. It's one of those where you're going to be like, oh, remember UCF's first game in the Big 12? Oh, yeah, DJ Giddens had four touchdowns. That's about as notable of the game as it's going to be. With all due respect, it was a great performance. Don't get me wrong. I'm as impressed by the receiving as anything. But if we remember this, if this was Deuce Vaughn, though, we would be talking about this game in K-State lore. But the fact that it's DJ Giddens and he's a backup running back, does that? I mean, go back to one Deuce Vaughn game that you're just like, oh, that's Deuce Vaughn. You know, I don't think that Deuce Vaughn has any signature game. KU, his sophomore year. Runs over for 175 yards, scores on the first play of the second half. Like there are specific but Deuce Vaughn you, games. But do you think about it where you're just like that is a top ten, you know, or top fifteen? Like maybe it's more moments. Sense. Yeah, maybe it's more I moments. Just, I think that there's a lot of you could go all throughout K State football history over the last decade, and you can find similar performances that you just don't think about. Right, and the thing and is, I do, also, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm undermining the achievement. No. It was a great achievement. But most, you know, six or seven Saturdays a year, K-State is able, you know, some player on K-State is able to put together a performance where you're just like, wow, that was an incredible performance. And without it, K-State doesn't win the game. Is is that a better performance than Adrian Martinez at Oklahoma? No. No, it's not. I mean, just because Adrian had that big run to put it all away. And and part of it is as good as DJ was, his long was 36 yards. Mm -hmm. You, You know, it was a lot of. Uh, mid-range runs, and uh, to no fault of his own. I mean, Deuce and Darren Sproles were known for making runs and doing something in the middle of them that was stunning. He had a nice move here and there, but 
he's just a different back. Um, but yeah, he looked down that list. I covered Darren Sproles. I'm just, I'll be really honest here. Deuce Vaughn paled in comparison mm-hmm. to Darren Sproles. So it's, it's hard for me to sit there and say, Hey, he's now done something that, you know, a lot of other K-State running backs have done. Um, and because it's his first, if he goes to Oklahoma state and does it again, then now we're talking now we're something incredible is going on here, but it's just get some repetitive efforts of the, you know, Upper hundreds, at least. Individual performance-wise, I think of four specifically. The last two seasons that come to my mind, um, Felix Anyudike Uzama's seven sack or whatever, six sack. 93 sack. Yeah, that only one. only four. Which is still ridiculous, by the way. Liar. That, that performance, I think of Adrian Martinez's performance against Oklahoma, Will Howard's performance against Oklahoma State, and then this performance against UCF. Those would be the top four individual moments, at least in my book, um, for the past three seasons. So I guess if you want to say it's a top five moment in the past three seasons, I think that's that's good. I mean, you think about how many games K-State's played since then, I'd say that's that's a pretty good effort for what DJ had on Saturday. Agreed. I mean, it's it was a, it was impressive, <clears throat> and even Coach Kleiman said on Tuesday, I didn't realize we gave him the ball basically or targeted him half the plays, and I don't know if that was a good idea, but you know the game just played out that way, and I'm really happy for DJ because he had a lot of uh, doubters around that you know probably within K State too that mm-hmm. nobody could possibly do the things that Deuce Vaughn did, and he did. Next question comes from Chris six six two zero four. I don't know if he's calling us out, Zach. I think he is, but in fairness, DJ Giddens didn't have the game that he had when he asked this question, so I don't know. You can read it. Okay. He says, please critique all the flaws in the unused question I preferred two weeks ago. So this is a question two okay. weeks old. Here we go. My perception is that DJ Giddens is a guy who needs 10 to 12 carries just to soften up the opposing D, then another five to seven to really make them pay. I understand wanting to get Ward involved and also to change up the look for the defense. Going forward, what do you think is the optimal balance slash splits between Giddens and Ward when it comes to touches? Can you toot your horn anymore, Chris? But I will, I'll say this. I, I think there'll be other games in which Trayshawn Ward could do what DJ I just agree. did. I, I think DJ... If you had to lose one of the two running backs for UCF, you lost the right one because UCF's a bad tackling defense and they couldn't get the bigger back down. That may not be true with the littler guy, but there might be another defense that can't handle his elusiveness and he might go for 200 Mm -hmm. yards. They're going to have to find a way to get them both on the field together. And the way that DJ and Treshawn have been catching the ball, I think that's a very viable thing is to maybe, instead we've, I don't know if we got questions about the receivers, but maybe just putting the two backs out there and splitting one out might be not a bad idea to solve some of the receiving issues because DJ proved he could run the ball with consistency and he seemed to gain power, like Chris just mentioned as he went on. But boy, he'd made some nice catches, routes he ran. He was just as impressive in the passing game. Anthony Frias had a nice catch, too, by the way. I know Chris yeah. Kleiman mentioned that on Tuesday, but that might be a guy they try and get some snaps, um, especially if Treshawn's not back fully healthy for Oklahoma State. I think that the way that it needs to be split up is, is pretty straightforward. I think you ride the hot hand. 
right? Right. You got to, you, you don't, you don't just, you don't say we're going to go 50, 50 down the middle. You ride the hot hand. And so that hot hand, obviously if Trajan Ward would have been playing, would have been DJ. I don't think Trajan Ward gets more than six carries, six, seven carries in this game. If he had been healthy, right? Just DJ was that guy on Saturday. And there's going to be times when Trajan is that guy. I think now DJ has earned the opportunity to be the first person to be that guy. But like I go look at the NFL, for example, look what happened with the Eagles running back situation. Kenneth Gainwell comes in as the starter. DeAndre Swift is the backup. Kenneth Gainwell has a really good first game. DeAndre Swift doesn't play that much. Kenneth Gainwell gets hurt. DeAndre Swift goes for almost 200 yards, becomes a starting running back. Then he follows that up the next week with 160 yards. And Kenneth Gainwell is now the number two running back. If DJ has a good game against Oklahoma State, he will be the number one running back. And Treshawn will be the number two running back. Yeah, maybe from a depth chart perception, but I still don't think that there's going to be a huge gap between the number of snaps that DJ and Treshawn play. I think it's going to be a lot closer to Has DJ not earned that though? I think DJ's earned it, but I think that the coaching staff probably values Treshawn. I don't want to say more than what they should, but in comparison to DJ, I don't think that the percentage split of snaps is going to be drastic, a drastic difference. I think that you're going to see them, you know, they each have their strengths and I think you're going to see each of them, I don't want to say equally. You'll probably see DJ a little bit more, but they're two different skill sets of backs. Mm-hmm. And I think that when K-State wants to have a different look, they'll play the other one. So I, I don't think that, you know, DJ had a great game. Don't get me wrong. Had a great game, but once Trayshawn is healthy, I think that, you know, those two skill sets, I think are going to be key for K-State winning games going forward. It's not going to be about Trayshawn or DJ getting 200 yards. It's about yeah. going to have, be them combined. How yeah. much yards can they get? Exactly. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. Last question of the first half comes from Claws Out, Balls Out. I love that name. (laughs) Is there a correlation between the Snyder guys exiting the program and the decline of special teams? How concerned should we be after losing close games with bad special teams this year and last? Uh, I don't know. I mean, what, what game was the bad special teams last year? Tulane? I don't remember what. TCU? I mean, there were some missed field goals. I, 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 you guys, I really, if you want to say a, a missed kick is bad on special teams, that's not bad special teams. That's just bad kicking. So, like, I understand the penalties, and, and I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But at some point, the issue falls on the person swinging their leg through the ball. And I, I truly believe that Chris Tinnick can still be a really good kicker at this level, but time is running out. And I think he knows that. I think he knows, and that staff know, he has the leg to do it. But the grace period is about over. It's time to put up or shut up, and I think he gets one more week. But I don't – to answer this question, I don't think there is any correlation. I think it's as simple as you need to put more starters on special teams. Honestly, if you want my honest opinion, as much as we love playing the walk-ons and seeing them succeed, against a team like UCF where there is speed everywhere – Man, you you can't roll out walk-ons on special teams. I love guys, and I'm not going to name names, but there are specific guys who we know are special teamers because Daniel Green is out. They weren't they weren't going right. to be special teamers otherwise, but because Jay Clifton's not on special teams, this guy has to go out there, and then this guy has to go out there. You got to play the guys that can make the tackles in open space. 
that's just my opinion. I think that there would be less concern on special teams if they had scored a touchdown in the first four games. I think that the perception of special teams you is touchdowns. Right. If you aren't scoring touchdowns on punt or kickoff returns or a block or a, a block punt, I mean, case, I mean, it, it's not unrealistic to expect that from case happens State. once every three or four games happens probably once every three or four games where you're having a special team score that isn't a field goal. Yeah. Um, but I think that if, yeah, if there was that tangible result, I mean, it feels like Philip Brooks has not had a great return really all year, but he's had some good punt. He's returns. had some good punt returns, but he hasn't housed one or he has a good one and it gets called back for some stupid penalty. You know, I think that's, some of it where it needs to be cleaned up. I just look at the kickoff coverage. That's been horrible. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Look, it's not not as good, but I'm going to stop this train where it's going. If you think the return game could be better, if Sean Snyder was the special teams coach, you don't know what was going on behind the scenes. He is a great punting, kicking, and holding, snapping coach, no doubt. KU's a lot better for it. And maybe K-State would be better for it. But you still got to have someone to coach those return teams because blocking and tackling aren't in his coaching repertoire. And anyone who coached with him will tell you that, even if they're friends of Sean. And whenever you see someone bring up Sean, it's a friend of Sean. He's very good at what he does. But there's other things that go in to being a member of a coaching team. Enough said. Will Burnham, who was a special teams right. guy, is that now the special teams guy in, for the Houston Texans? I'll just tell you this right now. The Houston Texans had a fullback take a kickoff back for a touchdown on Sunday. So if you think that this is a problem because there are specific people that are not in the building, well, that might be a guy who was pretty good at his job, too. He was very good at his job. To go from an analyst at the college level to an NFL special teams guy who went out and got Ty Zintner mm-hmm. um, tells you a lot. But it's got to get better. I'm I'm with you that it's not as good as what it should be. And um, I think the new guy needs to realize there's a lot of eyes on him at Kansas State mm-hmm. with special teams. I'll just say that. It, people expect not average and not above average. They expect something special in special teams. They just do. That's the standard that's been set. And um, I don't know that you can hang the kicking troubles on him, though. There comes a point when the player has to be accountable for what they're doing. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't. Can't, look, you can't be fragile as a specialist. You just can't. You can't be a snapper that gets in his head after one bad snap and starts airmailing it. You can't be a punter that has one go off the side of the foot and then you can't concentrate and the next one you whiff on. And you can't be a place kicker who decides, I'm so so scared of missing this, I'm going to try to steer it and thus I'm going to miss it. It's, you've got to be really strong mentally. You've got to be that kicker with the game on the line that runs on the field laughing to yourself and mm-hmm. smiling. That's what you need from a specialist. That it? That's it. That was, I didn't, I, did he say that was the last question? He did. He did? He warned you. Oh, boy. We'll be right, right back if I can talk. This is the Powercat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. 
GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast continues after this short break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. Sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, and a very needy poodle named Daphne right here in the studio. Dude got a treat and left. That's the kind of guy he is. I made fun of him for eating his treat the wrong way, and he left. Make sure you stop into the fridge whenever you're in town. And I know some of you won't be in town till late October because this schedule's stinking weird. The Wildcats are off this week, followed by two road games, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, before coming home to play TCU and Houston in back-to-back games and then going to Texas for a game that could mean an awful lot. And we're here to answer your questions. We recorded on Tuesday night. and We're not sure when this is going up, but it might be Thursday. We hope nothing drastic changes between then because it's the off week, and we too would like to be off. Now let's, yeah, well, now let's go to the guy who's always a little bit off because he teaches young people how to not be idiots. I don't know if that's exactly what you do. I don't think that's what history teaches you. Maybe it does. Have you made it past like 1980? Yeah. No, we are on World War One. Well, that's what I meant. I meant like going backwards. That Like the kids think 1980s ancient stuff. That's true. Are they absorbed by World War One? Yeah, we we did a lot of fun World War One stuff. Really, like uh, dig some trenches and and shell each other. We did have a trench warfare simulation. Mm, that's fun, man. Did you starve them to death for a couple of weeks, then tunnel underneath them and set up bombs? We just gave them trench foot. Okay, that's good. Nothing like a good yeah. trench foot. I'm you sure. Can't find a 1914 ration. Yeah, I did pop it did, open. Did you watch Probably the movie? Did you bring the movie in to watch? Nineteen? What was it? Seventeen. Should I would? That's all I would do. Like when we get to World War II, I just show Band of Brothers, and go. You know, you guys would be on the beach going, "I want a pumpkin spice latte." You you would be that teacher that plays movie and complains about the youth. I would absolutely <laughs> be that teacher because I'm soft. I couldn't raid. Germany or France or whatever, I'd be like, we don't have Carmax? Seriously? Nobody, nowhere in this this tank? Nobody has Carmax. Anyhow, they they don't have Carmax. Maybe they do at the fridge. They got a lot of stuff, including everything you need for a party, unless you've got chap lips. On with your questions. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just don't know. Here's Cole Carmody. He's plugged into history, and yet he's so very current. From KSU Todd, how do you read into Avery Johnson not playing in that game? Even if Will was good to go, Avery had to be prepared as the number one all week, and yet he didn't play. Up three scores with a beat-up quarterback. Purely redshirt or some lack of confidence? No, not lack of confidence. I I don't think they really, they have a plan for him. I just don't. I think they're just kind of cruising with it. They're not planning to redshirt him, but they're not. Planning not to redshirt. What was in a groove? So there was really no need to put Avery in. That's kind of my thinking behind it. Right. And so 
they didn't. I mean, they put played him at Missouri because there was a purpose to it. They played him against Semo because there was a purpose to it. And now I don't think they're going to put him on the field unless there's a real need to it. I don't think there's any way they can go through the next eight games and play him twice. I just don't. I don't see that as re- realistic. So I, I mean, I think there's like a five percent chance he redshirts, but they weren't going to just throw him out there to play him to play him when there is that five percent chance. I I don't know. I'm overthinking it, but I don't really know the plan. I think Will was in a groove. Okay. And honestly, I think this was a statement for Will. I think this was a statement for Will to the coaches, to everyone watching that game, to say, I am the quarterback. I am the leader of this team. I have earned that right. I'm not saying that Will said I'm better than Avery Johnson because I don't think that's something Will would do. But I think there was some purpose behind Will running that ball all the way into the end zone. Hey. Just because you think I'm hurt doesn't mean that I think I'm hurt. Because Will Howard is a gamer. People do not realize that. That dude is tough as nails. He is the quarterback for better or for worse. And I think that was the message that K-State was trying to send to the entire team. Will Howard is your quarterback. But at the same time, when you get to the fourth quarter and you're up three scores, Will Howard should have a headset and a clipboard. He should not be out there... You know, in his injured state, granted, he played he played a great game. Don't get me wrong. But at a certain point, you put Avery out there. You put Jake out there. Yes, I know it's still three scores. It's not a huge blowout. But the game was 100% in hand. They never had the ball up three scores. They scored the touchdown to go up three scores. And then UCF went down to score a touchdown to make it a two-score game. Okay. So... I mean, if you want but, to may say that he should have been Avery should have been in up two scores. I don't know if I necessarily buy that because what happens if he fumbles at UCF, takes it to the house, it's a one score game. So fine, I think that's I why they never put him in. That would be my guess. But at the same time, the game was not as close as no. the scoreboard showed at the very end. There was some. So, I think there was some intent behind leaving Willen. I really believe that. I don't disagree, but. I do I think, agree. He made a statement. Yes. I think that if if they put Avery in at the fourth quarter, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think he mm-hmm. I don't think he you know, throws the game away. I think he means. plays against Oklahoma State. How about that? You think Avery plays against Oklahoma State? I do. But that would probably that scenario would be a blowout. Correct. Because I think it will be. Correct. I think Oklahoma State's done. Yeah, they're horrible. Well, that'll tell you that they don't plan to redshirt him. Mm-hmm. If they play him over Jake Rubley, they're saying, Jake, go ahead and transfer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's equally as baffling to me. Is, is there? He hasn't seen the field yet, and I just don't get, quite get it. Nope. Next question comes from Mountain Joe. With an early bye week, do you find it helpful to have a Friday night game, which will then provide an extra day of recovery for game six, and then settle into your remaining six-game grind? Um, yeah, I do think it's helpful. It's actually a seven game grind. I mean, you get the extra day to prepare, but then you're back to back to back to back. I'm not a fan of Friday night games. I kind of wish it was a Thursday night game, but it makes our work week pretty simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really no real, there'll be no difference in our coverage, except that coordinators will be on Wednesday instead of Thursday. I, th- I wasn't planning on getting coordinators. So I was surprised yeah. that we were getting it. So I'm, I'm all in. I, Look, the Big 12 is going to have to do what it needs to do to gain attention. The game's on ESPN, which is good. Right. 
And we saw by the games they picked for what platforms that the three biggest brands of this conference remain Texas, Oklahoma, and now BYU. And those teams got the biggest slots. And the rest of the league got FS1. And the ratings for FS1 just look like ratings for FS1. They're just not very good. But none of the ratings were great because everyone was watching Colorado get crapped on by a duck. That video they released was hilarious. All the trash talking. Oh, yeah. This isn't a question, but I'm going to ask you guys. Did you happen to catch any of the replay with the announcers and how horrible they have been for the last two games for FS1 for this K-State team? No. I've gotten multiple text messages from many people about the announcers, A, not being there. Right. And B, just, just being flat out bad. Like, I get it. These guys have to work two games a day, and it's really not their fault. I know they can say no, but there's just no excuse for not knowing people's names, and especially when they've had both of these teams twice now. Yeah. And it's the fake enthusiasm. Like I, I had these conversations with my dad, and I've talked about these on our podcast, but he said he, said he had to turn them off because they were just – so like cringy to listen to talking about how amazing the atmosphere is when they're literally calling a game in Charlotte. I'm surprised that the big 12 doesn't mandate standards when they're, when they are negotiating these contracts, I just, I don't understand how remote announcers are acceptable to the big 12 conference and its members. I'm, I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I might understand it for basketball on occasion, but football? That's ridiculous. Man, get, get your ass to the games or at least have regional announcers on. I mean, look, there's there's some announcers that could be doing the game. They just could with better knowledge. I'll be honest here. Brian Smoller works for K-State and would call a better game, and UCF wouldn't even know he was. Mm-hmm. he would shift his gears to be the – the announcer, not the K-State announcer. The, the, what they're doing is ridiculous. And the, the guys aren't good enough to do it. They're just not. It takes a real talent to be able to call a game from a remote setting and do multiple games. They've got multiple preparations. It's hard to blame them for being bad when they're put in a situation to fail by their bosses. There, I said it. I know that was a tangent. Sorry, Mountain Joe. We answered your question, but I had to go off of that. Next question comes from Powercat Ryan. Health or experience, which is the most important to gain over the next two weeks before the road game in Stillwater? That's a good one. Experience. Yeah, he talks a lot about trying to get the young guys out on the field more and more and more, which is true. I mean, they probably they need to get the offensive line together, but I think they're going to pick their fights and say, hey, these practices belong to you guys. But they're taking Friday and Saturday off um, because, again, the Friday game means they can practice on Sunday. So that, I mean, that'll be a full cycle of practices. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, with this week, I think they'll try some stuff and and try to – get a lot of young guys into the cycle. This week's about K-State versus K-State. I know Kleiman talked a lot about that. Next week, they'll get into preparation. And quite honestly, quite honestly, on a normal week with a bye week, you'd probably spend more time preparing for your opponent. Do you really? I mean, I, I, we're not on the staff, so I, I'm not going to sit here and pass judgment, but I just can't see them spending 
an, an unusual amount of time on Oklahoma State. They might start prepping Texas and Kansas stuff and not tell the players that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oklahoma State. I They're just so bad. They got their ass kicked by South Alabama and still are no shot against South Alabama, but. Their defense is horrible, by the way. All those points they give up to Iowa State. Yeah. I'm curious what the crowd's going to look like in Stillwater. It's sold out. Uh fine but if you're a k-state fan and you want to go to stillwater you, can get you will buy what, chip you how much, buy yeah chip tickets. what is what is StubHub right now that's the real question it might be sold out but if it's three four dollars that's not a sellout yeah if i'm an you oklahoma know? state fan and the local high school's playing at home that friday night i'm probably staying to watch the kids i mean it's a shame i just got done doing a live on on tuesday night with with a great group of guys, and one of them's a Oklahoma State guy, and it's uh, it's a bad situation down there. What you uh, got? Stuff. You can get in and sit in the no. What's the get in price? Forty what's, forty dollars. Okay, a little higher than I thought. That's the lowest still, price right now. It's forty bucks. It'll still, come down. yeah, still a week away. But you can sit in the third row for ninety bucks. Oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah. I got to remember to get the credentials requested, guys. And if you want to sit in the K State section, by the way, you can sit in row five for $64. It's pretty good. Back to the question, though, health or experience, kind of like what you mentioned. There's going to be a lot of experience gained by a bunch of young people. But on the flip side, a bunch of old guys are going to get healthy. Right. So it's really both things are going to happen. You you can tell Chris Kleiman's excited about getting Christian Duffy 100%. He plans on him being 100% ready to go every snap from here on out unless something else happens. Jake Clifton getting healthy. And he mentioned that um, it's still going to be a rotation, it sounds like, at middle linebacker. That's how much they lock, like Austin Romain. That surprised me. It did too. And, but that means Clifton will be backing up. Everyone, he said. He said he'll play as much as um, the other two linebackers, but he just won't do it at one spot. He'll be backing them up too. So it's it's interesting. I mean, they they just they got to get their receivers healthy. I mean, he alluded to the fact that Keegan Johnson's still limited, and they've now they got R.J. Garcia. I think it's just a hamstring issue that that will get healed up here during the off times. So I. I guess the experience is what jumps out at me because the healthy is going to come. You know, just having the off week, the healthy is going to come. They don't have anyone other than Daniel that's so bad that it's season ending or prolonged. Very good. From Ohio Powercat, after the first four games, how would you rank the Big 12 as K-State third after Texas and Oklahoma? What about KU? Is this the eye test or is this how we should answer this question? Well, I mean, if you if you do it the right way, the unbeaten teams winning is always better than losing. But but Oklahoma hasn't played anyone. It's pathetic the credit they're getting for their schedule. Kansas State went to an SEC school and lost and dropped out of the rankings from 15. I've never seen something like that. And now Missouri beats Memphis. Memphis, sorry, Wally, and they get ranked. By seven. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. And Oklahoma, I mean, they're playing Iowa State this weekend after playing Cincinnati. They're trying to act like Cincinnati was some great team. They're not. They're not. You should have won that game by four touchdowns. Their quarterback's been to seven different schools. 
What? No, not really. It's okay. his f- third right. or fourth. All right. Fourth, I think. Yeah. But I wanted yeah. to believe you. <laughs> Don't ever believe Cole. If it's, it's if it's like uh, current events, doesn't know it. So how would you? So how would you rank them? I'm putting you on the spot before I give my answer. I, I guess Texas one. Yeah, I mean that's easy. I probably would go Oklahoma two until I see something, because I, I think they're good, but I would have Kansas State third and Kansas fourth. See, I would put UCF fourth. Well, luckily they. I play. saw the speed. Yeah. The speed from UCF. They will beat Kansas because of the speed factor. KU is gimmicky fast. UCF is fast, 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 fast. Yeah. So I, I'm the same way with KU until, uh, like, as you are with OU, until I see it, I can't put them fourth. Yeah. I mean, because Illinois was trash. Uh, look, KU's look good. They look good at the beginning of last season. Yep. They look good again here, but get into Big 12 play. Different story. So is K State favorite at home against Oklahoma if they were to play? Because I would say yes. Well, as long as it's later in the season. I mean, after Oklahoma gets – I mean, I think Texas is going to beat Oklahoma by four touchdowns. If K-State was playing Oklahoma on Saturday at Bill Snyder no. Family State, really? No. No, no Oklahoma would be favored. But in part, less than a touchdown probably. Yeah, but. but in part to balance the money. Yeah. I mean, because they know you fans will still bet that and K-State fans will flood in. Because I, I, would, I would take K-State over OU if they were at home. Oh, I would too. I would too. Don't get me wrong. That's not what the line represents, though. True. True. Very good. Who's the worst team? Houston? I think Oklahoma State is. Houston's horrible. Houston's horrible, but I think Oklahoma State has quit. I don't think Houston's quit. I think the players are done playing for Mike Gundy. All they're worried about now is not quitting, which would damage their ability to transfer, because who wants you in your locker room? After being a quitter. Right. And so now they're kind of playing for themselves and maybe they'll find the sweet spot where everyone rises up as a, as a team and says, you know, let's have some dignity here. Um, but I, I don't see, I don't see that kind of unity. He's just lost his program. It's unbelievable to see what's happened. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, last question of the podcast comes from go Uper cat. Uper. Oklahoma and Texas are no longer playing their negoti- or no longer paying their negotiated exit fees to the Big 12. Is the conference getting screwed, or are there other considerations being made under the table? Can't imagine Brett Yormark just letting them walk. It's not really under the table. No. They're just forg- they're forgoing. They are entitled. They were entitled to share full shares in 2024, 2025. You know, if they weren't right. leaving, they'd get those shares. They are foregoing those shares, which is what. The buyout supposedly is. You're saving money. And then ESPN is going to cut a check to OU and Texas. That is what the agreement is. ESPN, at the end of the day, is paying up for this exit. See, ESPN wants them in the SEC because that's their league. And so they they made it easier for them. The Big 12 is still going to get the money. I mean, I, I don't know why people are upset that it's coming out of the money that ESPN could have clawed back that money saying, look, this was a number agreed upon because of OU and Texas being the league. They could have said, no, we're not paying that because this is not what the contract was. But no, ESPN is doing the right thing saying, keep that money. We'll pay you. The guys, it's $30 million per school right there. That, And then the other $20 million will come, I think, through ESPN not paying them all the money and you know it's going to come i don't i don't care it's and, it's an accounting equation right it it's accounting yeah here's the bottom line 
I don't give a crap. Just let them go. Yeah. Move on. I mean, yeah, I want the money. And next year, it's really crucial because that money is going to help pay for the new members and all that. But I just move on and just get out of here. And for God's sakes, can KU and K-State rise up and play for the Big 12 title? Can KU and K-State both beat Texas and, and Austin and really make it sting for them? Could you imagine? I, I, I am imagining it right now. And I'm imagining uh, the conflict of many K-Staters out there as KU beats Texas. And like, am I supposed to be happy? Am I happy? Am I, am I upset by it? What, am I, what are my emotions right now? But I would still love it. I would be sick if K-State and KU played in the Big 12 championship game. <laughs> That would be awful. <laughs> it would be horrible. Why? It depends on who wins that first game. The in theory, you're splitting. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. Wins that game, right? I don't care if K State wins at home or wins the Big Twelve Championship game. They probably lose the other game if it's that close. I don't agree with that. I think it's a bad matchup oh. for KU. I think the way K State plays defense neutralizes a lot of the stuff KU does. And I'm just not sold on KU's. I think KU's defense is better, but I'm not sold on it. You know what would be horrible is in a hypothetical world, if that were to happen, KU would have one loss. K-State would have one loss, maybe two losses. But if K-State then beats KU, then KU fans would be like, oh, the Big 12 championship game doesn't matter. It's about conference standings. That's That's the real Big 12 championship. A championship game doesn't matter. Sorry, I just had to go there. They don't get it at all. That's it for the Power Cap. Questions podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Our full slate of everything will be back next week. Although the only thing we're not doing this week is the Power Cap pregame podcast. Because, because the Friday walkthrough is still walking on Friday. Monty and Cole will be here on Thursday night in this very studio to record another episode. And you guys love it. I see the download numbers. You guys love it. And I love it too. And I love you for listening. I love everyone. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.